Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Hey guys, Brian Davis here from Spark Rental. Super glad to have you with us. And I am also very excited to have Smitha Peranek with us. Uh, she's the Director of Data Acquisition at the Lifetime Value Company, LTV Co. for short. Uh, it's a technology company that applies real estate data to practical uses. Their brands include property research sites like Ownerly and Neighborhood and auto search sites like Bumper, people search sites like Been Verified. So she has a very deep background in data and also in real estate and a fascinating personal story. So Smitha, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. It's an honor to be on your show. Yeah, I'm very excited to hear about your story. So you immigrated at a young age from India to the United States. First of all, tell us about how it was for you and, and how it shaped you as an adult. Yeah, it's always been my family's dream to be in U.S. It's a country of, you know, achieving your dreams. So we came in with lofty vision. We moved in like 2005. Uh, fortunately for us, we landed in the best, probably the best part of the country, which is California, <laughs> uh, area, and have been here since 2005. In terms of my real estate experience, we already had one to two properties in India by the time we moved to U.S. So we started okay. very young in real estate investing more as a matter of convenience and just building the basic needs in our life. But in U.S., we bought a first property in 2008 in Sunnyvale, California. And then we bought a second property in 2018 in San Jose. So that's my real estate experience. And of course, data plays a very important role in all these decisions. I'm sure. How was it moving to a new country with still owning investment properties in India? And how was the management of those properties? Yeah, um, it was a tough decision for us to make a choice to kind of settle in India and then make a decision to move to U.S. But just like any other immigrant, we wanted to visit U.S., work here, experience a culture. We've been in Australia and several other countries before. We travel a lot. So it was very exciting at the time. And uh, while we, we also had apprehensions about leaving our property behind because that's where we saw ourselves live for a very long period of time. So the first thing was just decide what to do with the property in India when we moved here. So, of course, there were two options. We could have sold it at that time or rented it out. And we chose to rent it out, which I think on hindsight was a good decision, though it came with its own challenges. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> We did not use a property management firm. It was not that popular or well-established in, in Chennai, India at that time. So that's not an option we considered. It was more wow. word of mouth, publication in newspapers, just an old traditional way of getting renters at that time. And one of our properties in India, we actually, um, our family lives there. So that was an easy decision. Okay. Well, that yeah, that makes it easier. But your other properties in India, how have they performed you know, with you managing them yourself from halfway across the world? It is difficult when you are managing it halfway around the world, especially without a property management firm, you need some kind of support from your family. So there were occasions when our family had to step in, our renter was wanted to see the house. 
right. uh, before they rented it out. So they had to walk in and show it to them. There were also instances where we had troublesome renters and, uh, you know, there would be a maintenance issue. And we even had one renter who did not pay the rent. So yeah. there were, we got into a legal challenge. So, yeah, it was quite difficult managing it from U.S., especially those properties in India. Yeah, because all of those things happen with rental properties, right? I mean, you have tenants who don't pay the rent. You have maintenance issues at the property. You know, obviously, every time you have a turnover, there's a lot of work with with maintenance and with you know showing the property to new renters and tenant screening. And yeah, I I can only imagine uh, how difficult that is. I I left the U.S. Uh, and had some properties still here, but I did hire a property manager, and that was hard enough even having a property manager. So yeah, I can only imagine how difficult it was moving. Now, you have a background in data analysis, right? And you've built a career there. So you know, tell us how your career has brought you to you know, both, both data and you know, real estate data in particular. Yeah, my earlier career days, I actually started off very deep, deeply in the technical space. So I was an engineer. I started off as an engineer, then you know, graduated into a product management function and a program management function. But somewhere down the line, somewhere mid-career, I guess, so far, I realized that data was my passion and I got the right opportunities uh, to work in the data strategy space, which involves everything from, uh, you know, identifying your business needs, uh, finding those right data sources to meet those business needs, integrating them into the platform and then uh, optimizing them and buying more and more and more data. <laughs> Uh, so it, it, consider it an entire data life cycle. And uh, it turned out that 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 was my passion. And uh, it gelled very well with my personal mission of providing data and insights to both products, companies, as well as individual people, so that they can make well-informed decisions in their life, which in turn, of course, impacts their self-worth and overall fulfillment. So I thought it, it was a very important mission that I need to be part of. So that's how I landed in this job. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's hard to make good decisions, you know, whether you're talking about, you know, life decisions or financial decisions, you know, often those are the same thing. Uh, you know, if you don't have good data, if you don't have good information. So it makes total sense to me. So tell us what you are working on right now with these real estate data sites, neighborhood, ownerly. How are you incorporating data to help real estate investors and home buyers make some of those better decisions? One of the most important, I think, purposes of Neighborhood and Ownerly is to empower our consumers and subscribers to leverage all the data that is available. And in fact, most of this data is available publicly, but extremely difficult to find if you were to just individually look for them. Um, so the benefit of using sites like Ownerly and Neighborhood is like it presents the data to the consumer in a very powerful, easy to understand, aggregated fashion, which then becomes very easy to monitor and use in your day-to-day -day life for important decisions like real estate investing, or even if you're buying a home, you know, are a homeowner already and want to probably get a handyman service. Um, just get the perks associated with. So there are so many cool features that these sites offer, uh, which benefit and put the power in the heart of the consumers. All right. So can you give us some examples of how real estate investors can use data, you know, whether on ownerly or neighborhood or you know other sources of investment data uh, or 
you know, housing related data. How are some, some tangible ways that investors, real estate investors can use data to gain a competitive advantage in buying properties and managing properties? Uh, yeah. I mean, what can they do? What can they take away from this conversation to make them a better real estate investor? Yeah. So um, let's let's start with like what they can do a neighborhood, because I think that's where the user journey starts for an investor. Uh, so an investor goes into such sites with the with the expectation that they will be able to find some properties which match many of the criteria that they probably know by experience is pretty good. So they need a way to narrow down like thousands of listings. Uh, to a very concrete set of data or uh, listings or whole properties which meet those criteria. So they can get into neighborhood and they can start with the listings and then deep dive into the details of the listings. And most of the time when I have personally bought property, if I, if I look at the neighborhood, what's the potential of the neighborhood for the value to increase in the future? That's something really basic because that determines the ROI. What's the potential rental income that may come out of the property? Um, um, and I may have very specific criteria, like I need green housing or I need a particular uh, you know, um, number of years associated with the property. Like I don't want to buy a house which is built beyond earlier than 1980, for example. Uh, so there are a lot of criteria that each investor uh, needs to probably um, shortlist the properties on so that they can have a very targeted search. And that's what neighborhood uh, neighborhood uh, helps with. You also get to see uh, very interesting information like hazard information. Is that particular neighborhood uh, prone to earthquakes or right. wildfires, which is very relevant in California where I live oh, sure. for the past few years. Um, so I think that's really important to understand before you invest in a property, just understand the hazards and the associate risk. What are the schools? Like that could be a very important criteria for certain investors or even people buying homes, uh, especially if they have a growing family. Uh, so what schools are in the neighborhood? What's the walkability score? What's the crime index uh, in that neighborhood? What's the noise level in that neighborhood? So there are many such interesting uh, criteria that you can shortlist for the city, for the county and for the specific locality. So that's neighborhood and uh, neighborhood. I think that's where the real estate, uh, estate investors need to start, uh, in my opinion. Um, yeah, that, that makes total sense. Um, you know, using some of those those filters to really narrow down your search and you know drill into some of those risk factors, like you talked about, you know, fire risk, you know, flooding risk, earthquake risk, you know, all things that investors need to be aware of and insure against if they do end up moving forward there. And of course, that insurance will eat into their their cash flow, and some of those neighborhood amenity factors like walkability. So I love that. So. What are some opportunities that you see available right now for real estate investors, um, you know, based on what's, what's going on in today's markets? So I think though, though the economic climate seems a little bit gloomy, um, yeah. I do see that as a perfect opportunity for those who have the money and the interest and the motivation uh, to invest. So I think I see it as an opportunity more than as a threat. So if you do have the means and you can take a little bit of risk, I think this is a perfect time for real estate investing. Yes, there are some ups and downs in terms of the inventory that's available. But that right. said, I still hear people moving in and out of cities, buying more properties, 
in different locations, especially after COVID, they're adjusting to a new lifestyle. They probably need a larger home. They've realized the importance of spending more time with family. There are a lot of work from home jobs. And a lot of people are still considering, you know, what's the fastest way to retire without any dependency on the job. Um, to me, financial freedom really means just meeting the basic needs, which is food, clothing, and of course, shelter. So despite the climate, I think it's a perfect time to invest in real estate. In whatever small farms you are, you have crowdsourcing, being part of, you know, co-investing. Um, so... Uh, these are the kind of opportunities I see. And plus even commercial real estate investing. I think it's prime time for that. Sure, absolutely. And hearing you talk there, you know, I was thinking of that famous quote by Warren Buffett, you know, to be greedy when others are fearful and fearful, fearful when others are greedy. And it's true, you know, with so many people reading all the negative headlines about uh, real estate over the last nine months, you know, it, it does create opportunities, uh, you know, when everyone else is, is freaking out and wringing in their hands. So, you know, with that being said, I'd love to hear your crystal ball for where real estate markets are headed in the second half of 2023, you know, as someone who is a data analysis expert. From a data perspective, I see uh, that people are becoming more and more aware and like to have information at the tip of their hands, which is why things like artificial intelligence, chat GPT, everything is taking precedence where people want access and want to be self-adequate in terms of, you know, getting this information so that they can make these really critical uh, life choices. And in 2023, again, the real estate market is going to go up despite maybe a shortage of inventory. People don't want to sell their houses at the moment. It's probably not a seller's market, but it's still a great time to buy if you have the right inventory and you find the right home and the investment property. Maybe it's a great time for fixer-uppers. Uh, so that when the market bounces back, uh, you have the opportunity to resell. And then if you have an interest in like commercial real estate, like I had like a group of friends who co-invested in, in uh, let's say, uh, leasing a land where they had petrol pumps and also convenience stores and they co-invested. And that's a great time for such the need for gas and our power is never going to go away. So Picking those properties, if not for homes, you can start investing in these commercial uh, real estate properties. I think there needs to be a shift in the mindset in that sense. No, that makes perfect sense. And, and that is actually how, you know, we have started investing at, at Spark Rental in our, in our co-investing club, in our, in our real estate investment club. We invest every month in a new commercial deal. Now, most of those are multifamily properties, so they're providing housing, but they're still commercial properties. And in some cases, it's retail or industrial or, or other types of real estate, um, you know, beyond multifamily. But yeah, I mean, I think in particular, there's, a, uh, there's an opportunity right now if you have cash to invest with in particular, you know, and so you don't have to worry about the high cost of financing right now, the, you know, the high interest rates, uh, you can find some of those deals out there. Yeah. So, uh, Smitha, how can people connect with you if, if they want to uh, connect with you or learn more about what you're doing at, at Ownerly or, or Neighborhood? Uh, how, how can people connect with you? They can reach out to me via email, Smitha Puranik, my first name, last name without a space, at gmail.com. Or they can reach out to me over LinkedIn by messaging me. It's the same email ID, basically. So that's the best way to reach me. If you All right, great. And any any final thoughts, you know, as we wrap up here, any, any final tips for real estate investors out there? If you're willing to take the risk, a small risk, and yet be conservative as in 
keep in mind your debt to income ratio, I think you should take that step. You may have anxiety, you may have concerns, but once you invest in real estate, it is definitely an asset to grow your ROI and your net worth. Uh, that's been my personal experience. And, and I really wish more middle-class people, um, middle-income families, um, you know, and uh, a wider demographic uh, invest in real estate. So that's, that's my hope. Well, we certainly share that hope. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that you have had such good personal experiences with your own investment properties. So, Smitha, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a lot of fun. Likewise, Brian. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. Well, guys, we will catch you next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Uh, as always. And be in touch with us, support at sparkrental.com with any questions or comments or requested topics for conversation. And we will catch you on the flip side. Bye now. Did you know we offer a free eight video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com slash learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us. And we will catch you on the flip side.